listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Great to be in God's house. Give Pastor Rowena a big hand. I know you love her and appreciate her. It's wonderful that I get to live with her. We're married. Uh, but it's tough living with female Jesus sometimes <laughs> because I'm waiting for the day I catch her in sin to be able to point it out. She has a couple of moments exhibited a glimpse. It's just a quick one. It's through the eyes of irritation with me, although that's not a sin. I kind of want it to be sin so that we can, like, I, we can get into it and I can be able to lead her through repentance back to God's goodness. But... Uh, we love her and appreciate her. Ladies, get involved with that women's conference. It'll be so good. Um, we're going to jump into today's uh, scripture and our, today's lesson. But before we do, I just wanted to say next week, I mentioned it already, we've got our uh, three of our interns who are going to be speaking at three by 10. Let's give them a big hand. And they're going to be speaking on our Follow Me series. Uh, one of our efforts to be able to help people to speak is uh, to give them the opportunity to do this. And so the next week won't be me taking a week off. I promise you, it never is. When our family members of our house speak, it's surprisingly, not surprisingly, it's, it, it's excitingly better than maybe when I speak, at least to me. I'm always amazed at how God's able to deliver a message. And next week on the Follow Me series, they're gonna be preaching on, the, the title is Follow Me Anyways. And that's because there are people, maybe even standing in this room, who have specific reasons not to follow Jesus. Like you've maybe set up in your heart, your mind, I'm not going to follow Jesus because, uh, maybe because I'm mad at him because he's done some things that I don't like. Or maybe it's, how do I know that he's not going to just like take everything away and I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life? Or maybe it's like, how do I even know if I can trust him? And so those will be the type of messages next week. It's follow him anyway, so make sure that you're here for that. Uh, it's going to be a great, 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 great Sunday morning. Uh, today, I want to draw your attention to uh, this scripture in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It says there, then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And so I want to talk to you about the aspect of when you follow Jesus, you can expect and you should expect, you should not lean back passively and just think that life is going to continue on as it always has. And when you run to difficult, when you experience difficulties or pushback or challenges, that you're just going to continue to rely on yourself and your own natural resources to see something happen that in following Jesus when he leads you. You can expect him to do supernatural things, and he's calling you to function in the supernatural as you make your way forward in this lifetime, okay? So bow your head with me. Put your hands over your, your heart. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I pray that our ears will be open. I pray, God, uh, as I speak, there's this promise that, Holy Spirit, that you will be the illuminator of truth. You are the one to take spoken words, and as they're, as they're mixed with scripture, you're able to speak to each person on an individual level where they're at. And I could never do that in the natural, but Lord, you're able to do it every time we gather. So we expect to hear from you direction, encouragement, challenge. Maybe if there's something that needs to be adjusted in our lives that we're open to that, 
but touch our hearts so that they're not hard, that they're soft before you, that your word will land like good seed on good soil, take root, and as we water it, it will produce fruit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand as you're seated. High five somebody next to you. And let's go ahead and let's dive into uh, our study. How many of you are enjoying this study so far? Good? Good? Awesome. Hey, guys back in production, can you give me just a little bit more light so I can see faces? I like to look into the eye. Oh, I like to look into the eyes of people. You're a good-looking crowd back there. Welcome back, Kellers. You guys went... Now, really, some of you are going to try to reach out and share Christ with this new couple in our church, John and Barbara, and try to hoping that they'll raise their hands at the end of the message. John and Barb are a big part of our church family. They're just a season of life. They've always traveled, but in a season of their life where they're able to travel, and we cheer them on as they're traveling, and they're still faithful to the house as they do that. I think you got in yesterday and still in the house of God today, right? And I'll bet you that they watched stuff online while they were traveling. Don't shake your head if it's no. Okay, we'll skip to- <laughs> I just believe that. I don't care what anybody says. No matter even what they say, they still watched it, all right? Good to have you guys back, okay? Um, let's talk about, uh, lean into this idea of supernatural. Uh, when I bring that phrase up, that word supernatural up in pop culture today, people are going to think I'm talking about paranormal activity. They're going to think I'm talking about ghosts and hauntings and evil spells and black magic and talking with the dead and looking at the stars and looking at fortunes. I am not talking about that at all. That is pop culture's idea of supernatural, and it is a polluted version of the supernatural that the Bible talks about because God is very interested and functions in the supernatural, but it is not those things. Now, I want to warn you, those things can and are very real and contain a portion of truth to captivate minds, but they are not from the source of heaven. My grandmother used to go to a palm reader and came home and told me one day what the palm reader said, and there were some things about my future, and I was in awe, and especially as those things translated out, I was fascinated that how did, how did the palm reader know? Because the enemy doesn't know all things about the future, but knows things about the current and about the past. And if he's able to articulate an element of truth, catch your attention, you'll be in awe of a false supernatural and be led astray. And so beware of those things. Stay out of your horoscope. Look to the word of God. Don't go in to somebody who talks to the dead. They're not talking to your grandmother. They're talking to demons who lived while your grandma was alive. Some of you don't realize, well, how did they know? Demons don't have a lifespan like we do. So there's an element of truth in those things. Be guarded of those things because that's a gateway for those things to attach themselves to your life. But when we talk about biblical, uh, biblically supernatural, I'm talking about events that defy natural laws. Now hear this, that's, that's important. They defy natural laws. Pastor Rowena talked about the second account of the feeding of a large group of people where there was 4,000 and it was only seven basketfuls of those. Thank you for those who you were raising your hands saying 12 and 5,000. Like her numbers are off. There's two accounts of the feeding of the multitude. That's okay, Trisha. You will still get a star from me. She's excited. She's asking for answers and she's just excited to share. Um, that was, that's super, that defies laws. Now, there's a couple things with my definition that you need to notice about that actual account. In its events that defy natural law, a little boy provides a small amount of bread and a fish. Jesus prays over it. 
It's blessed, the Bible says. He blesses it. Anything that God blesses is going to be supernatural. Your life is intended to be supernatural. It's intended to like defy at times natural laws. And as he prayed over the bread and fish and the disciples began to hand out, as they reached into the basket and pulled out more, they're just more kept appearing. And then when they gathered up the, the leftovers, there were more leftovers and leftovers than there were to start off with. How does that happen? Well, one plus one sometimes in God's economy can equal 72. It's just, it's supernatural math. It's because of the supernatural touch of God on a situation. Now, that's not the whole definition because it's events-defying natural law that occur, and here's the key. You, you gotta understand this part. God rarely does the supernatural by breathing from heaven on your life and all of a sudden, boom, supernatural on my life. Oh, I got it, it happened. It typically, 99 out of 100 times, supernatural things happen as men partner with God. Every, almost every Old Testament miracle included someone partnering with God. This miracle of the feeding of, of 4,000, there were people involved with it. A boy surrendered his food. Boy didn't hold it back and say, well, I hope God feeds him. Let's see God do a miracle. No, he surrendered his food. And that's a catalyst. And then there's Jesus. And uh, I know you're going to be, but that's Jesus. It's different. No, you, you, it's one of the reasons why I need to come to internship because we cover those types of things. Jesus limited his supernatural abilities. I don't know if you understand that, but when he was born, he set aside, according to Philippians, his function in the supernatural and became as a man. Well, how did he do all these supernatural things? When he was baptized, he stepped up in the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that comes upon us came upon him, and he began to function in the supernatural because the Spirit of God was on his life. Okay, that's why Jesus wasn't showing off. He was showing you what is possible through you when you partner with God. Well, I've never fed a multitude. Well, let's try on feeding your family. Let's, you know, when, when money gets tight, let's believe God. The first miracle, and this is a bona fide, you could, you could argue with me till the day is long, one of the first miracles I ever experienced, and it's a small miracle. But when you learn that God can do the supernatural in the small things, it will build your faith for the bigger things. You're not going to believe God for a million dollars if you can't believe God for $10. If you call your mommy and daddy every time you need something, you will not experience the supernatural father providing for you. That went over well. There was a lot of cheering after that. I'm just telling you, mom and dad, stop trying to answer every issue your child has. You are robbing God of the opportunity to be God. Mm. Mm. Snap, that's good. You, are you alive today? What's going on here? In fact, stop robbing yourself of the opportunity. Quit calling the banker every time you have a need and trying to move everything around like it's a shell game. I'm going to trust God in this moment. I'm going to trust God in this situation. I'm going to believe God. The banker told me no, so what I'll do is I'll adjust the numbers, even though it's not true, to make it look better and go to a different banker. Listen, what you do in the flesh, you will have to maintain in the flesh for the rest of time. But what God does for you, he will continue to maintain it for you all the way through. You hear what I'm saying? That's good stuff. Okay, so in this situation with the supernatural, as men partner with God, here's the, the, the most important part. They don't just partner with God to see a thing happen. They partner with God to see what's on earth out of alignment with heaven to align up. 
And I'm just confident that a field full of people who have a heart for God, who have no ability to get food, God's heart is to feed them. I don't see a scripture that says, if you're in a field, yea, I say unto you, find a boy with fish. You know, I, you know prior to this, there's not a scripture. But you could still determine heaven's heart. God, I don't have a job. I wonder if it's your will for me to have one. I don't think you need to pray that prayer. Because the Bible says the man who does not work shall not eat. If you want to eat, you should do what? Work. work. God dropping food out of the sky is, is your misunderstanding of how this thing works. God provides for me as I work hard. And I thank God for the beautiful way the church of the years has taken care of us, but I've not relied only on the church. I get out there and hustle, buy property, sell property, do all sorts of things so that my family can enjoy other things and so that we can give even more generously. And I experience the miracles of God because I'm not waiting for him to provide. I am partnering with his provision. Amen? And so it opens the doors for all that to happen. So it's, again, events defying natural law that occur as men partner with God to realign the earth to as it is in heaven. Now, this is why the supernatural is so important. Let me take you on a little journey just for a few moments. When God created the heavens and the earth, it included the perfection of heaven. It was resident right there. Plain and simple, earth was perfect in ways that you've yet to even imagine. They say that we use about 5% of our brain's ability to think. I fully believe that we we're not, Adam was not a caveman. Adam would have made Elon Musk look like a fool in today, in that day. I think that there are things when, when Adam named the animals, he didn't say, dog, cat, just having come out of monkeys. God created him in perfection. In fact, when you even study the scripture then, you understand that at that point in time, Animals were not attacking one another back in this spot. You're like, oh, how did, how did Noah get them all into the ark? Because Adam, Adam had the authority over the earth, and Adam had a relationship with all animals. In fact, when you study scripture, he wasn't even eating them until after the ark. And God gave him permission that now there's going to be this animosity on earth that's all part of what happens after perfection, but God established the earth originally, and it was in perfect alignment with heaven. Man had a good relationship with God. Man had a good relationship with his earth. Science all functioned in, uh, fueled by life, not by death. You know, there's a, a law, the law of entropy is actually a byproduct of after Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, and, I, and maybe I should, to be able to get there, show you a couple scriptures here. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, uh, and we'll get there in just a second. But let me, let me say this, that um, life was fueled by everything. Uh, life fueled everything, and there was not even a hint of death. Other than the command of God, don't eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you do that, then death will come. Everything was perfect. Nobody was dying Nobody was crying. Nobody was frustrated. Adam and Eve didn't have any rough moments. They weren't thinking God was angry. They didn't think that God was holding out on them. Perfection. Our planet was experiencing perfection at that moment. Now, when you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. 
The word evil there doesn't mean that you will experience just sin. The original Hebrew word evil there speaks of something that they did not have a personal experience with, but it's a new introduction of adversity, infliction, things that are bad, calamity, grief, hurt, harm, trouble. And so God's warning them that if you disobey, you are going to invite this thing into this perfect realm. And so they were faced with this situation. And as you look at the scripture and as you study out after Adam and Eve, they sin, the Bible begins to show you that this evil, this trouble, this adversity, this calamity, grief, all of these things begin to impact not just them, but their surroundings, their climate, their relationship with the animals. After all, after they sin, what happens? God provided them a covering made out of animal skins. You know what that means? The first animals died as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And these were their friends. These were the, they had charge over these animals to care for these animals, to lead them. And it wasn't a zoo setting. It was them in their natural environment. It was perfect. And yet two animals died because of Adam and Eve's sin. And so they experienced that firsthand. Um, evil begins to impact everything. Therefore, the Lord God sent them out of the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out. The east side of the garden, he placed the uh, cherubim with a flaming sword and turned every way to guard them from the tree of life. They immediately began to experience separation from God, from perfection. They're already fighting amongst one another. He did it. No, she did it. No, it was a snake who did it. And so evil begins to show up, not just in sin, but in every aspect of life. I personally believe that is where the global climate begins to shift and change. While we might, we might add to it, and we certainly know nature itself does greater damage to itself than anything that man could ever do. I mean, just look at St. Helens. However, the real issue on our planet, our planet is impacted by sin. So the things that this, because it's created by God, intended for perfection, and we invited imperfection in. And so death becomes part of not supernatural life, which Adam and Eve had, it becomes a part of natural life. And that death impacts everything. Man began to die. The planet began to die. Relationship with God began to die. The alignment of heavens here and earth is being pulled this way in the process of its experience. And Adam and Eve began to compound that by their actions, and they had sons. One kills the other and begins to pull everything out. The ground is now spilled with a man's blood, and God says, the ground is crying out to me. Our sin creates imperfection all around us. And you know that most of the wrong or bad or evil that you've experienced in your life is either brought into your life by yourself or someone else and their sin. So we all experience that. And so death becomes the foundation of our natural lives. People are actually now born dying. You understand that? That when a child is born, he is already beginning to experience cellular death. And though he is growing or she is growing and expanding, still the process of death and sickness can impact a child in his mother's womb. And so death is present. We've experienced this thing called entropy. Take a brand new car. 
put it in a garage, never touch it, never drive it, never, never look at it, keep it sealed up for 100 years. And here's what will happen. You'll open that garage door in 100 years, and that car will be falling apart, breaking apart, probably won't even run because entropy is the law that anything that's in motion will slow down. Anything that's perfect will become imperfect. Build a sandcastle down at the beach, and it's going to fall apart over time, especially after your grandson kicks it and laughs and runs off into the... Um, that's yet to happen to me, but anyways. Um, in fact, politically, they experienced death. God was king to start off with, but then we put men in charge of us as kings, and we watch control and evil kings. And we look at history for totalitarian leaders leaning into things that go against scripture like socialism and Marxism and communism. People, evil people wanting to rise up and be God in our lives instead of God leading our lives. And so that's come because the enemy behind the scenes, we've invited him in to poison everything. So the reason why, I said all that to say this, so why don't you just say this, Pastor Steve, just give you some context. The reason why we need supernatural events is so that our lives can become realigned with heaven. God established perfection, and he is not happy that you are not experiencing it. And so that is one of the reasons why when we read the scripture, Jesus shows up on the scene in Matthew uh, chapter, let's see if I've got it behind me. Let's see. Guys, take me to the next slide. My thing's uh, jammed up a little bit. Um, there you go. It's why when we read these scriptures, Jesus came to make realignment with heaven possible. Now, not everybody's experiencing this. And maybe there's moments where you experience it, but you're waiting for it to happen. We'll talk about that a little bit more in here in just a second. But one of the reasons why Jesus came was not just to die for your sin, that's part of it, but so that you can experience a life that is now pulled over and in alignment with heaven. You can see it here in the scripture. Jesus says, from the time, or Matthew says, from the time Jesus began to preach, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means to be near, to be close, to be approaching. What is the kingdom of heaven? Kingdom of heaven is the alignment of heaven that was established on the earth, that has been removed, that is now within reach. That actually that Jesus came so that not only would your sin be forgiven, but when someone is sick or when something's not worked out or you've experienced something that's an attack by the enemy, that you can press through with the confidence to know that while I'm out of alignment, the will of God is for it to be aligned and let's fight to see that happen as you follow Jesus. Matthew 13, verse 11 Jesus said this, he says, to you it has been given to know, and actually the proper interpretation of that Greek word, to come to know, which is an ongoing process for you. For those of you who follow Jesus, it's been given. That's a done deal. It's been pushed out there on the table with the expectation that you're gonna reach out and reach out and, and begin to know and begin to know more and more, what? The secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, you mean I'm going to find out what's going to happen when we get to heaven? No, that's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule and reign established on earth that Jesus came to make sure is available to our lives. So that when you're over here not experiencing the kingdom of heaven, that God will show you the secrets to be able to get this thing aligned up so that you can walk according to his perfect and pleasing will. 
That's one of the reasons Jesus came to die. And I love this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Uh, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Every parable in the New Testament that Jesus shares, when he says the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about heaven. Someday, he's talking about heaven on earth that you get to walk in. Now, how many of you don't experience that all the time? Let me see your hands. Oh, so I'm just talking to the two of us right here, okay, apparently. How many of you don't experience the kingdom of heaven all the time? I'm not talking about theoretically. I'm talking about actually. All of us have been, if you follow Jesus, you're born into the kingdom. But how many of you know that misalignment happens? It's going to fight you. Everything on this earth is going to fight against God's kingdom being experienced by you in this lifetime. And people are going to show up in your life, and circumstances are going to show up, and challenges and distractions are going to show up to get you out and over here because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But then you stand back and you realize, hey, this is not what God wants. And so he's showing you through the parables how to fight to experience what God has. So let me give you three points real quick uh, since I'm finally at my starting point of my message. And the timer tells me I'm 15 seconds over, but I don't think they sent that properly. Actually, I have another 10 minutes because uh, we had altar at the beginning, so I'm good. Um, I could justify it anyway. <laughs> but I know that deep down, you want to hear the three points quick. See, I didn't even have to like beg. I didn't even have to offer cash money for that. That was just sincere and heartfelt. And so I'm going to give you about 35 more. Okay, so let's go. Do that. Okay, so, so this is my points. Uh, number one, oh, sorry. Following Jesus brings an immediate relational alignment with God. Jesus came... After Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and God only shows himself occasionally, he sent his son to give his life to pay for our sin so that relationally we're no longer enemies, but we become sons and daughters. And I'll be honest with you, I don't always feel like a son or daughter. I don't always feel like I'm the strongest man in this room. I don't always feel like I have the best hair in this room. Okay, some of you are actually getting it. Um, I don't always feel like everyone loves me. I don't always feel like I can win. I don't always feel like heaven is on my side. I don't always feel like people who love me love me. How many know your feelings will lie to you? All the time. But Jesus came so that I would be aligned with the Father in position. Now, it's theoretical if I don't lean into it. Jake could call me up after church and say, hey, Steve, my wife has baked you 12 dozen of the most amazing cookies ever. And those cookies are theoretical until I drive my tail at a high rate of speed <laughs> to their house, knock on the door, and believe what Jay has told me and step in and receive, how many dozen? Two dozen. I, I'm, not, I'm not greedy. It's two dozen. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? <laughs> I'm just speaking to my future, people. Good, good things come my way. Okay. Um, but positionally, we're aligned. 
And so there are times when I don't feel like that, but the scripture here reminds me, and so I remind myself. In fact, when I get up in the morning, as dumb as it is, lay my hands on myself, because I am a pastor, but I, and I'm a Christian, and I'm a leader, but I need ministry, and nobody else is there, so it's like, okay. <laughs> I'm wearing two hats now. I'm praying for myself, but I'm also receiving prayer. And I just remind myself, I am a man of God, because I don't feel like it sometimes. And I am a son of God. I am favored by the king of heaven. He sent his only son so that I could become one of his sons. He is for me. He is for me. I heard Abby tell me yesterday, he is for me. He is for me. He is is for me. He is for me because everything is telling my emotions he's not. He's, it's like he's, he's not even seeing what's going on. He is for me. And I can quote scriptures like this. That at one time I was separated from Christ. I was a stranger. I had no hope without God in the world. But by Jesus, I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I have access to the spirit through one father. Sometimes you got to drive to the Hofer's house to get the cookies. You're all invited right after church. Because <laughs> far be it from me to hog 12 dozen, I think we have plenty to share with everybody, okay? Worship team, why don't you guys come and why don't you stand and I'll finish the last two points uh, here real quick. And we'll pray, we'll sing, uh, sing a final song. Um, so, so as soon as you begin to follow Jesus, you just need to understand this. You're, it's like an adoption ceremony. Some of you in this room, you've been adopted and some of you have adopted children. It's a really weird thing. It can be emotional and it can be completely unemotional. It's kind of like getting married. You stand before a judge or a pastor and he makes a declaration. He has the authority to bind law and you step there, not family, and walk away, you are family. When you come into when you say yes to following Jesus, some of you, it'll hit you like a ton of bricks and you will ball like a, you'll ball and it'll be overwhelming. And some of you will stand there and the words will come out of your mouth and there'll be no emotion. Don't worry about that. Understand that there's a legal shift that now allows you to be seen by the Father as the perfection of Christ is on your life. And when you don't feel that, you want to fight for that because that's part of walking in the kingdom. It's part of appropriating the promise. Really quick, uh, not only does it bring relational alignment, but it brings situational alignment. I've got some verses there, and of course, you can always look at my notes online. But when you come to situations where something's, there's a sickness come upon one of your children, and something will whisper in your ear, oh, it's okay. This is God's will. He wants to use this sickness to teach your child how to suffer better. Something rises up within you and says, Jesus healed every person who was willing in Scripture, and we're willing here, and we're going to believe God for healing, that you actually can function and believe God to see your situations shifted for alignment. And there's a part that you do. Remember, for the supernatural to happen... Jesus said to pray this way. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. 
right? Why? Because we pray, we partner with him. But you, I hope you understand that as we see people in Scripture get daily bread, they actually went out to do something, to put something in motion to get the bread. The man that does not work shall not eat. So you're partnering with God to see this thing happen. You're, pray, you're partnering with God for healing. You know that he wants to heal, but uh, I'm too afraid to pray out loud over my child. Listen, work through it and pray out loud. Get, get, get it going. Or bring the child to the, to the elders of the church to pray. Well, what will they think if, I'm, if I... Well, they'll think you need healing. And we're going to pray with you. That's biblical. And we'll lay hands and we'll believe God for healing. Well, but it's kind of embarrassing. I don't want anybody to know. Okay, those will be the things that keep alignment from happening. But partner with God. And in the process, you'll be able to see areas of your life um, be aligned with God. I was going to tell you one of the first, I didn't tell you, one of the first, I started to tell you a story at the beginning, right? The first supernatural thing I experienced. Did I tell you the story? (laughs) I am, for those visitors, I'm very well known for telling stories in this church, never finishing the end. Just keep you hanging around. That's my, that's, that's, that's my purpose, okay? I was traveling with Rowena. We were in Bible college. I think at this point we're engaged. Driving back, I think we had graduated. We're driving back. We had had two tires. Those of you who remember what a retread tire is, I had two on my car. They both blew up on the way home and all the money that I had was spent on that. We get about 150 miles, maybe 200 miles from our destination. She's starting to fall asleep in the car. It's late, it's dark. I've got my 1976 Toyota Corolla that's a piece of junk, but I thank God for it because it's my car that God provided for me. I pull into gas up and I've got literally change in my pocket. I don't want to alert her. My job is to provide and to lead and to get her places safely, but there's no way the math is gonna work out on this thing. And I began to pump like 26 cents. Now, back then, that actually took a, a couple seconds, okay? But it still wasn't enough. And as the fuel went in, it was probably about a half a gallon. As the fuel went in, I prayed, Lord, the multitudes needed bread. They only had a little bit, but what they had, they offered to you, asked you to bless it, and you did. And I fueled that up, put the gas cap back on, knowing that before cell phones, how will I call my parents at 10 o'clock at night? I didn't even know their phone number, to be honest with you. They had moved. I got no cell phones. I had no clue even how to contact them. God, I need a miracle. And I think I probably mentioned this something to Rowena, but I downplayed it. Not like, we're going to die. It was more like, you know, hey, just be praying for a gas. We need God to help us. Didn't have a debit card, credit card. Didn't have that back then. There's nobody to call. And it was so exciting to pull like 150 miles, maybe maybe it's 200 miles later, into my parents' driveway and turn the car off and have experienced the supernatural expansion of the resources I had and without question, trust me, my gas gauge was not wrong because I had run out of gas prior to that. God provided that. You know what he wanted me to see? This wasn't your laziness. This wasn't wrongdoing. This was, you needed a miracle, and I'm the God of the supernatural, and the supernatural is in play when you follow me. Amen? And it's not just a preacher. He didn't do that for me because I'm a preacher, because I wasn't a preacher. I was 21 years old at the time. All right? The last one is very similar, that God will use you as a conduit for the supernatural to come to people in your world. Okay? You You can study that on your own, but I think it makes sense. God's got supernatural things for you. 
And we're gonna pray right now. We're gonna sing this last and final chorus. But I wanna invite you, if you've yet to start your journey, if you've yet to say yes to Jesus, you're always only ever gonna be looking at from the outside in and watching other people experience these things. God has these things for you. It just requires you to step in to what he's done, saying yes to following Jesus. And so I invite you right here and right now as we pray uh, to invite, to say yes. And it, your prayer is that simple. Jesus is inviting you, come and follow me. And though you don't know what that all looks like, you will, because he'll lead you one step at a time. But the first step is to say yes. So say yes today and begin that journey. Let the person next to you know that you said yes. Let us know at the Connect Center. We've got a great book for you. We've got a great class that we teach uh, that Jenny Mowry teaches on following Jesus' its first steps, and we'll help you along on the journey, okay? All right, hand over your heart. Father, we say yes. Come on, say it with me. I say yes. Say it again. I say yes. Lord, every day I get up, I say yes, 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 yes to following you because it, it pulls me out of what this world is built on death in every turn allows me to step into life with every step. And sometimes I have to fight for it and sometimes it comes easily, but I always know you have life in every step because you are life. You're the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. So we embrace that. We embrace the supernatural, the biblical supernatural, the ability to take the next step, the ability to experience what you have for us. And sometimes it's a small thing, like like two quarters to pay for laundry, and other times it's a healing for our bodies, and sometimes it's raising the dead back to life. But Father, you make all things available in this relationship. So we say yes. I say yes again today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church.